Father, thank you for this new morning. Thank you for uh, your creation, uh, the beautiful weather you provided us. Thank you for uh, your providential hand, uh, not only decreeing all things, but working all things according to your will. And, uh, and we, as your children, benefit uh, completely from that, Lord. Pray you'd help us to consider you rightly and carefully now in this time, and, uh, and it would uh, shape our lives uh, to be faithful followers of Christ. Amen. All right, so we're continuing on in the confession. Uh, we're in chapter 5 this morning. Um, if anybody needs a copy, uh, I've got a couple up here I can pass back. Um, but otherwise, yeah, having a copy in front of you will be really helpful because we'll, we're mostly going to be reading through it. Chapter 5 is of divine providence. Um, one thing before I, I get into it is um, this, this chapter is closely related uh, to chapter 3 of the confession, which is of God's decrees. And so um, I wanted to help us know the difference between a decree and providence. What's the difference between God's decree and God's providence? And the best uh, uh, analogy that I came across or example was from uh, Sam Waldron. And he said, uh, the decree is the blueprint or the plan, and providence carries out the blueprint or plan by guiding the actual course of history. Uh, the decree t- takes place in eternity, right? In eternity past. Providence takes place in history, okay? Um, so that's just the helpful. You have, you have a architect hands, hands you blueprints for a building, um, but it's actual construction workers that are cutting two-by-fours and, and putting it into place, right? Uh, that's a very immediate, worldly example, but kind of helps just us, us differentiate the two between decree and providence. <clears throat> All right, well, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, again, chapter one, or I'm sorry, paragraph one of chapter five, this is going to be that summary statement of the doctrine, and then uh, verses two through seven are going to expound a lot more on that. So, of divine providence, chapter 1, starting in paragraph 1. God, the good creator of all things, in his infinite power and wisdom, does uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures and things, from the greatest even to the least, by his most wise and holy providence, to the end for the which they were created according unto his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will, to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness, and mercy. So uh, let's break that down before we move on. Um, the author of providence is God, the good creator. Okay, He created all things. Uh, the... Uh, the foundation for that, it it was done in his infinite power and wisdom, okay? Uh, How he does that is by upholding, directing, disposing, and governing. You can see that there uh, in that first sentence. And then uh, the objects of his providence are all creatures and things from the greatest even to the least, right? So from the the world itself down to... uh, uh, molecule, a single molecule, right? 
uh, the universe, it would even be bigger, right? The universe all the way down to a model, molecule. Um, and he's doing this by his most wise and holy providence. Again, you're going to see a lot of the same words used in describing God and his providence as we saw in uh, chapter uh, 2, right, of God and the Trinity. We also saw in chapter 3 of decrees, right, of God's decrees. And we're seeing the same ones here. And then, uh, and then uh, you see his, uh, his providence uh, uh, working along or how, how it's relating with his creation. It's to the end for which they were created. All right. Um, and then the goal of all of this providence, uh, if you see there, is, uh, is to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness, and mercy. It's, it's all for his sake, right? We're benefits, but it's for his glory. Uh, we, we, yeah, we benefit greatly. Chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 5, paragraph 2. Although in relation to the foreknowledge and decree of God, the first cause. Okay, so what we're stepping into now is um, the relationship of providence to means. Okay, so God, we're going to see he is the, the first cause. And then how is God using means to carry out his providence? So the first cause, all things come to pass immutably and infallibly so that there is not anything befalls any by chance or without his providence. Yet by the same providence, he ordered them to fall out according to the nature of second causes, either necessarily, freely, or contingently. Okay, so things, uh, he's not making a decree and then uh, hoping things just kind of fall out in that way, right? He's actually uh, ordering and orchestrating things to, to fulfill what he has decreed. Um, so uh, if you look right there at the, the middle, um, it says, so that there is not anything befalls any by chance or without his providence. A good example that was fresh or more fresh on my mind is if you think of Ruth and Boaz, uh, it says Ruth happened to come across Boaz's field or it was by chance that Ruth came across Boaz's field. And so in a in, in a immediate temporal sense that that's how we speak about things but we also need to step back and recognize uh, not only did the Lord decree in eternity past that Ruth would come across Boaz's field but he's also uh, stirred her up that morning and, and there was a need for her to go out because there was a need for, the, for she and Naomi to provide for themselves and so she went out to go to work right um, and then notice this qualification in paragraph 2 Yet by the same providence, he ordered them to fall out according to the nature of second causes. Um, I'm sorry, the, the, the qualification is in paragraph three. I skipped over that. All right, so the qualification is paragraph three. God, in his, in his ordinary providence, makes use of means. Okay, that's what we just saw in paragraph two. Yet, here's the qualification. Yet is free to work without, above, against them. At his pleasure, okay? What is this referring to? Miracles. This is miracles, right. So the Lord uses uh, means, but he does not have to use means. And we see all throughout our scripture, both Old and New Testament, uh, many examples of these supernatural, right? So the Lord's natural means uh, is, is what he uses naturally. But there are 
um, unnatural or supernatural uh, things that are events that take place. And we need to believe those as being real events that actually take place. It's not our duty to explain those scientifically or, or justify them. Um, those are supernatural, and we, uh, we can rest in that, right? We don't have to understand uh, how God is, is doing all things, but we, we understand that he is doing all things. Okay. Um, what we're going to see now in verse, or paragraph, paragraphs 4 through 6 is we're going to see how then uh, if, if God is, uh, um, is working and ordering and orchestrating all things, uh, then is, would he not then also be responsible for sin, right? That, that is the question that just naturally comes to mind. Um, you see that, uh, that question come up in Paul's theology. And the answer is no, and, and this, uh, these next few paragraphs are really helpful in explaining why that is not the case. So this is uh, the relation of providence, God's providence, to uh, the, the reality of sin. Paragraph 4, the almighty power, unsearchable wisdom, and infinite goodness of God, so far manifest themselves in his providence that his determinate counsel extends itself even to the first fall and all other sinful actions, both of angels and men, and that not by a bare permission, which also he most wisely and powerfully binds and otherwise orders and governs in a manifold dispensation to his most holy ends, Yet so, as the sinfulness of their acts proceed only from the creatures and not from God, who being most holy and righteous, neither is nor can be the author or approver of sin. All right, so paragraph four, this is, this is uh, just considering sin uh, more broadly speaking, right, or generally. Um, but here in the next two paragraphs, five and six, we're going to see uh, sin then in, in in his children, right, his, his, that he's given his righteousness to? How do we understand that in light of his providence? And then sin in the ungodly, right, the unrighteous, okay? Um, <clears throat> so the, uh, maybe the biggest takeaway from paragraph four is uh, uh, all acts of sin proceed only from creatures and not from God, right? Paragraph five then the most wise, righteous, and gracious God does oftentimes leave for a season his own children, right? So these are the righteous, those that Christ's righteousness have been imputed to, his own children to manifold temptations and the corruptions of their own hearts, to chastise them for their former sins, or to discover unto them the hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts, that they may be humbled and to raise them to a more close and constant dependence for their support upon himself, and to make them more watchful against all future occasions of sin, and for other just and holy ends, so that whatsoever befalls any of his elect is by his sin appointment, is by his appointment for his glory and for their good. That's that's huge there at the end. This is for our good, right? So so we're we're uh, the Lord allows us to taste the consequences of our sin uh, because it's, it's untethering our hearts from this world. It's reminding us again and again how good our God is, uh, how uh, completely uh, in need we are of him and of his mercy. Okay. 
Uh, but as it relates to the ungodly, um, paragraph 6 says, as for those wicked and ungodly men whom God, as the righteous judge, for former sin does blind and harden, from them he not only withholds his grace, whereby they might have been enlightened in their understanding and wrought upon their hearts, but sometimes also withdraws the gifts which they had and exposes them to such, such objects as their corruption makes occasion of sin, and withal gives them over to their own lusts, the temptations of the world, and the power of Satan, whereby it comes to pass that they harden themselves under those means by which those means which God uses for the softening of others. A really helpful picture of this is uh, if you think of Pharaoh in Egypt, right? Uh, uh, Moses went and testified of the Lord before him, and it says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Uh, in, in fact, Paul brings this up in, in Romans when he's talking about election, right? And, uh, and uh, we can say Pharaoh is the the clay used for an unholy use, right? Or an unrighteous use. Uh, so the Lord hardened his heart, and yet um, uh, what that actually looks like is, is Pharaoh just continued on in his sin. He did, he did not turn his eyes uh, to see God for, for the good God that he is, and the Lord did not show mercy or open his eyes to see that, right? So the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, Okay. All right, and then lastly, um, the relation, this, this quick, uh, short paragraph, is only a sentence, paragraph seven, but man, is it encouraging. <laughs> As the providence of God does, in general, reach to all creatures. Remember, the greatest even to the least, right? All of, all of creation, God's providence reaches to. So after a more special manner, it takes care of his church and disposes of all things to the good thereof. So this is, uh, this is in sync, if you want to think about it, with, uh, with paragraph 5. Remember, this is, uh, it, paragraph 5 ends that, so whatever befalls any of his elect, right? Now remember his elect, this is his church, is by his appointment for his glory and their good. And then notice at the end of this, and disposes all things to the good thereof, okay? So the Lord uh, does not preserve all things until the end. Uh, but he has promised and he will preserve his church until the end. And so we're seeing uh, this, this uh, providence uh, in a, what we could, should say, a special way. Um, so that is, uh, is providence. I, I wanted to move through it because I anticipate more questions or more discussion on this. Um, but if there's anything that I can answer uh, right now, as, as just in light of some of the things said or read, uh, let's go ahead and turn to that. Yes. Joe, right? Yes. Sir. Joe. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I use, and I, I've read many who use uh, ordain and orchestrate, right? When, when the Lord ordains something to take place, um, that's a, uh, almost like a wedding of the decree and providence, right, in one. Um, I think that's a, a fair way of saying that. Um, so he's, uh, uh, a good example is 
um, uh, when, when we taste the, the bitterness of our sin and, and we come to a point, uh, as, as all elect do, right, we come to a point where we are just, we are, we are tired of our sin, right, uh, and we cry out to the Lord for mercy, um, he's ordained, he's decreed that that will take place, but he's also allowed those events in our sinfulness to react in those ways so that we are, we are tasting sin for what it really is, right? We're not tasting it as a good thing. We're tasting it as the bitterness that it is, um, and they're br- therefore bringing us to our end. Um, and so then when, we're, uh, when the Lord does open our eyes and we do believe uh, in, in Christ, um, then we are, uh, we are redeemed. We're, we're delivered from that. And so we are then his. Um, so the Lord ordained that, but he's also, uh, we don't come to that on our own. He's also, he's also providentially using his word preached, right? Maybe, maybe a friend who is discipling you and ministering you, even in your stubbornness all, all throughout your lifetime. And, and then finally the Lord opens your eyes so we can see this good uh, ordering and this orchestrating of events. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if, there's a better way. Yeah. I have a question on that. Okay. Could, it, could that be similar to how we, we talked about the Holy Spirit prayer and how, like, like, the Lord can do this, but He ordains that we pray so that it might come to fruition? Uh, like, does that mm-hmm. make sense? Is that like, the same thing? Yep. <laughs> does yeah yeah and you were just asking more about verbiage right how do we carefully discuss or talk about these two things yeah you want to add something oh, okay Word, cause is still the right word philosophically, 
But if that rubs you the wrong way, something more. like what, 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 um, what Sam was saying, ordained, permitted, allowed, that's not wrong. It's just the confession is trying to make a very specific point, and it's not one that we would normally be associating with or thinking through or, or handling in our age. Yeah, no, that's helpful, yeah. Yeah. So this would, this would be the chapter um, that's going to speak most directly to this. Um, but again, if you go back to chapter uh, 3 of Decree and, and tie in with that, because uh, remember, we don't read our, our confession vertically. We read it horizontally. And so when we're reading about God here, we need to read in light of chapter 3, and we need to read in light of chapter 2, right, of God and the Trinity. Um, and so... Uh, so those those are it's all working together, but this will be the the that speaks to this most directly. Yep. There is, yeah, yeah, but I don't it, I don't remember it having language that parses it out that carefully, but it it certainly is related, no doubt. Yeah, uh, yeah, free wills fourteen nine maybe. Nine. Hey, Patrick. Yeah, so when it comes to verbiage, the word I, the word I like to use is loud. And the reason why it does, it helps, it helps you to see the, the mercy and the grace inside of God when it comes to that. So if you speak aloud, that's, that's, these are the ways in which it's glory. That's the way that you get glory because it's allowed to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, just be careful with allow because you'll, you'll have to explain more than just use that word because we know allow to mean permit. And it's almost a request has been made, can, can I sin, right? And the Lord's allowing us to sin. The, the Lord doesn't want us to sin, right? Um, and yet he's, he's ordained, uh, he's decreed, and, and he's ordained that, it, that, he would, that we would and that, uh, that, we, that he's using it for our good ultimately if, if we're of his elect. These are good questions, yeah.
scripture itself uses uh, different words describing this, and, and it's good for us to be to be fluent in those, and and ultimately point to, to the mystery of it. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about going back to, I'm spending a lot of time in Romans, um, but um, when this, when Paul rhetorically brings this question up, right, then who can resist the will of God? He doesn't go to explain all the intricacies and in philosophy. He just says, who are you to answer back to God, right? <laughs> we are, we are so created uh, in, uh, and so, um, yeah, so uh, having, having a, uh, a, a, a chapter designated to this because you can see how um, even it with some of the verbiage subjective things can become and we can start to think about things differently just enough and eventually down the road we're just we're in two different ballparks um, these are really helpful they seem uh, high and lofty and they're not and I would encourage you um, spend time reading through these and, and talking through these with your kids uh, you parents initiate that because your kids are going to start asking these questions if they're not already without even having this, right? Because this is, this is innate to us. Um, so it, it amazes me what, uh, what just weighty philosophical questions a five-year-old comes up with. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, but it's good. It's good. But th- these are helpful uh, categories for us to have. Uh, so that we can uh, answer most faithfully. So, um, any other questions? We, we've got a, just a couple more minutes, um, and I do want to do want to be helpful here. Yes, Heidi.
That's right. Yeah, and grab a, grab a highlighter and go in there and highlight how many times goodness is included throughout this. Because the, <clears throat> the authors are being really clear <clears throat> because our minds are so quick to go to things like just devastation, right? How could God ordain that a tsunami wipes out just hundreds of thousands of people, right? In his infinite goodness, right? It's just, it's all throughout here in his wisdom, uh, in his power and his justice. Who are we to, to question God for doing as he wills with his creation? Um, <clears throat> so that again goes back to, to chapter 2, right? Um, and chapter 3. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, and, and rest in, and it's okay to not, not know the answer to everything and not be able to explain everything, right? That's okay. We can say, I don't know. But, but God is sovereign over all of this, okay? All right, one more, one more question. Appreciate you guys, uh, your input in, uh, in uh, discussing this. It's good. Um, and I'd encourage you to have, have follow-up conversations or if, um, or if you're seeing someone. Uh, these, are, these really are, these are meant to be uh, comforting to the church, right? It, this is good doctrine. It's not, it's not to be head knowledge uh, and, and remind each other. Uh, well, we're singing this, uh, this morning. We're going to sing the song Almost Home, right? Have paragraph 7 in your mind while we're singing Almost Home um, because that's... that's that's the idea, right? The Lord is going to preserve and sustain his church. And, uh, and man, are we going to be the, the beneficiaries of that. Okay. <clears throat> then let me go ahead and close this in prayer. And then uh, don't forget, um, uh, Shane is going to wait on parents to come back and get kids, okay? So if you don't go... Chaos ensues. All right. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, that you uh, have decreed all that will take place. And with your sovereign, your mighty outstretched hand, you are ordering and orchestrating all things. I thank you, Lord, most for... Uh, the salvation that we have, that you called us out of the darkness of this world, brought us into your marvelous light. And with your spirit in us, you continue to show yourself to us through your word, all the more that we might know you better. I pray that we would uh, use helpful resources like this confession uh, to, to better understand and have clarity uh, on, on yourself as communicated in your word. I also pray, Lord, that we would uh, not just uh, settle with this theology, but we would be quick to turn it to uh, doxology, a praise to you. Uh, and we would do this uh, now in our, in our worship service in a few moments. I thank you, Lord, for uh, the men and women here and the children. Uh, help all of us uh, as we are, are, are wanting to know you better. Uh, bring us along in your, in your uh, infinite patience and your goodness and mercy. 
and in your love for us, Lord, as our shepherd. I pray this in your name. Amen.